Here come the blue shirts. If you weren't awake to play in that kind of game, then you weren't made to play hockey in Madison Square Garden. He's got experience in the streets and in the alleys. <laughs> and in the alleys. He will whoop your ass. Yeah. I'm looking better now than I did before. Ron, it's all names. your fault. It's over for all of you. Once I'm on the team. Well, you're going to have to let me dress you, though. <laughs> oh, 100%. You cannot, that, that's going to be Ron Duguay's third act. Molly off the air. Wow. <laughs> Molly off the air. a whole different person. Yeah. Up in the He'll blue be courtside and I'll be up in the blue seat. <laughs> we have the ability to win games when we put it together, and that's what we've been doing. Strom with a big drive, he scores! A steal and a save by Shesterkin on Benino. And this one is over! The Rangers win it! We give ourselves a chance to win every night, and I mean, we're playing well right now. Uh, to be a playoff team, you gotta, you got to string together a good season. You know, we're, we're starting to look like a playoff team. Pass through, Stroud scores! And that's it, the Rangers win it! And the winning streak continues! Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Larry Brooks of the New York Post will join us, of course, in his weekly spot later in the show. We'll also answer questions from Post Sports Plus members. And that montage you just heard is courtesy of MSG Network. You heard Sam Rosen, Ryan Strom, Mika Zibanejad, and Ryan Reeves. To talk about the Red Hot Rangers, we now welcome in our host of Up in the Blue Seats. That would be the Queen of the Post, Molly Walker. And her co-host played for the Rangers, of course. It's Rangers great. Number 10, Ron Well, hello, everyone. Yes, it's Thursday, and it's a day after the day after the Rangers being so hot. But Colorado comes into town with a lot of fire and puts the fire out of the Rangers. Lots to talk about today because of a goalie situation. Jacob Truba playing the way he is. A lot of things that we're going to discuss with Larry Brooks. But with Molly, she has an announcement today, which has something to do with working with the NHL Network. So Molly, let's get at it right now because I know we have a lot of questions to take today because of with the Post Sports Plus subscribers who have many questions for you but more than anything else uh, tell us about this new opportunity you have with the NHL Network. Yes, very exciting. You put me on the spot a little bit here. But yeah, I, uh, I'm i going to be a contributor for NHL Network uh, going forward. Uh, so you'll see me on NHL Network shows a little bit more than I already have been uh, going forward. So very excited about that. But getting back to the Rangers, yes, Colorado comes to town and it was a measuring stick. And, and as I put in my article for today's paper, the Rangers were looking straight up, but guaranteed taking everything into consideration back-to-back games their fourth string goalie is in net in Adam Huska they were tired they got back home from Chicago at 3 a.m the odds were stacked against them but that doesn't make how lopsided that loss was doesn't make them feel any better about it I'm sure especially when you're looking at the grand scheme of the schedule and the teams that they have lost to it's a couple of upper echelon teams that that they would need to beat. And otherwise, it's it's been a bit of a softball schedule for them. And obviously, Shesterkin stole a bunch of wins in the beginning there. So not to be a Debbie Downer, but it was it was a bad loss against Colorado. And, and it was a measuring stick for sure. Well, the way I look at it, 
as a player, former player, because I've been in these situations before where you're hot and all of a sudden you play a game and things just kind of go sideways on you. Now, of course, you can look at goaltending. You don't have Shesterkin in the net. Yes and no. It wasn't just goaltending. I thought Huska played well in the first period, kind of held his own. But it's uh, Colorado. Colorado, to me, it's a team that I think we've all picked to be in the Final Four. And I think that after seeing them last night, if they stay healthy, it'll be the team out of the West that will be in the Stanley Cup Finals. So it's a measuring stick for the Rangers. They've learned a little something about themselves because everyone's talking, well, they're tired, they're tired, they're tired. Well, it's only game two of two. And that's where you're going to have to figure out going into the playoffs. You're going to have these situations where you got to play tired and you got to find a way. I've always talked about this in the past. For me, often I had my best game in back-to-backs because it's just when you have an opportunity to go to play at Madison Square Garden, wear that Ranger jersey and play in front of those fans, I don't feel tired. If I do feel tired, all it is, it's a shorter shift. That's all it is. And so for last night, the Rangers got to look at themselves, say, hey, look it. Yes, this is a measuring stick for us. Now we know where we stand. Now we figure out that regardless, you just got to play hard. You got to play with passion. And when you look at management, coaching, uh, they look at their squad and they say, okay, what's missing? And we're if we're thinking playoffs and going deep, how, what what is it that we have to do to make a change? But uh, yeah, tell me about um, this uh, Post Sports Plus subscriber thing that you have. Anyone can subscribe to this? Yes, you can. It, it comes with Post Sports Plus. Once you become a member, you can join Subtext. And I believe we have four different Subtext channels that you can add your number to. There's Up in the Blue Seats that directly connects to me. We have a fantasy sports one. Mike Vicaro, one of our top columnists, have has one as well. And then our college guy, Zach Braziller, has one. So if you're a St. John's fan, you should definitely uh, sign up for that one as well. And it's it's really fun and, and just big shout out to all the Post Sports Plus subscribers, uh, especially the ones that are connected to my subtext. You guys are awesome with all your questions, and we'll get into that later in the show. Uh, if we're going to pick some positives out of that 7-3 to three loss, I would say Jacob Truba is definitely one of them. Gordie Howe hat tricks. <laughs> and uh, we actually had to explain it to Jake before the show, not to put him on the spot. <laughs> you had to call me out for that, Molly. I had to. <laughs> come on now. Jeez. Now the listeners I mean, are like, hey, I'll give it to idiot. you. How could you know? If you're not a hockey head like the rest of us, how would you know? I'm slowly learning day by day. Teach me something new tomorrow. Is there a new name for another play in hockey? Let me know. And next, I'll write a book for dummies coming up. (laughs) Perfect. No, but Jacob Truba is definitely playing at a different level right now. He's found that sweet spot at the top of the zone, which is something that I think should have been going on a long time ago, but now he's starting to really shoot the puck and it's starting to go in from the top of the zone there. So he's got a bit of a sweet spot. He's he's rolling a little bit, but he's also really stepping in for his teammates. So really like what Jacob Truba is doing as far as his physicality and, and what he's bringing to the lineup at the moment. And then the other positive, which I thought was the most adorable thing I have ever seen in my entire life was Nils Lundqvist scoring his first NHL goal and then 
kneeling, fist pumping down to the ice, and then falling over out of pure elation and excitement. You could just see it all over his face and the Rangers bench. Everybody was so excited for him and thrilled for him. And and those are the types of, the, of things that need to come for Lundqvist to just help with his confidence. And he started calling the puck in the last couple of games. He's tapping a stick on the ice. He wants the puck. And as soon as you start to see that, the goals will surely follow. So all good things, baby steps for for Nils Lundqvist, and truly one of the most adorable goal celebrations I've seen to date. Yeah, that, absolutely. That that's a sign. The guy that wants the puck versus his first few games, it looks like it looked like he didn't want the puck, and he get the puck, and he was a little bit panicked about uh, wanting, knowing what he was going to do, knowing his next move. So now we're seeing. Now I get it why they have stuck with him because. Not only does he play with speed, but he's he manages the puck really well. And it was good to see him uh, score that goal. And even after he scored the goal, you can tell the way he was managing the puck after that, that he looked very confident. So, so that's what it takes often for players to be able to score that first goal. But going back to Truba, I'm agreeing with you that uh, we're seeing a, a different Truba. I, I think part of who he's become now is that player that they were expecting when they first got him a physical presence on the ice because he's a big, strong guy. We knew that he can score goals. He's got the big shot. But he needed to, uh, especially in front of the goaltender, uh, be an enforcer. And now we're seeing it. Part of it has to do with he's surrounded by guys that have his back. And uh, also, you know, all the talk of who's going to be the next captain. I'm believing that he wants to be that captain. So he's showing a lot of signs of what a captain looks like. But with the way he's playing right now and this thing that's been going on in the NHL when you have a big hit, you feel like someone's coming after you to want to fight you. And it's something that's not being addressed. It's not being addressed by the NHL. The reason I don't like it is uh, that's not a good reason to want to fight someone. I would prefer if the NHL came out with some sort of statement saying, listen, this is nonsense. Hitting is part of the game. We want big hits on the ice as long as they're clean. And what we would prefer to see If you didn't like that hit, then turn around and hit someone else on the opponent's side instead of breaking out to a fight. So if you could just imagine one guy hits one guy and the other guy decides, oh, I'm going to hit someone else. And now you got a physical game that's a lot more entertaining versus fighting. When people talk about hockey, they talk about they don't like the fighting or some like the fighting. But it's not a good reason to get into a fight. It discourages some guys who are physical to hit. You don't want that. We want more hitting in a game as long as it's clean hitting. Yeah, and that is what Jacob Chuba has been doing, clean hitting. But that being said, the last two major hits that he's had uh, against Chicago, knocking Kyra out absolutely cold, and then last night on Nathan McKinnon, they're clean hits. No doubt about it. Watch them frame by frame myself. They were clean hits with Kyra He was looking at his feet, looking straight down at the ice. It's an unfortunate situation. And we spoke to Jacob Truba about it after the Colorado game. He said he and Kyra exchanged text messages. Kyra is out of the hospital. He's alert. He's responsive. There's no timeline for his return. And it's a very unfortunate situation. It was a very, very scary scene in Chicago. I could tell you as somebody that was there, you could hear a pin drop in the arena. He was lifeless on the ice for quite a bit of time but like you said Ron yeah he 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 definitely uh was was followed a bit on the ice after that one and he had to answer for it and the same thing again after he hit 
after he hit McKinnon last night, he had to fight Gabriel Landeskog, who I could tell you is a really nice guy. I've talked to him about Kale McCarr before, but that's what's going to happen, you know. But I think Gallant was yelling at the refs because he wanted an instigator penalty last night because there were players who were just chasing him around the ice. And Truba said that he has no problem with that. He said he understands that if a guy on the other team wants to stick up for his teammate, he's happy to answer the bell. But, you know, that's not going to deter Tr- Jacob Truba from playing the way that he that he plays. But he also, you know, respects the fact that other teams are going to be that way because the Rangers are now exactly like that as well. They don't they will make a guy answer for for a hit that they don't like as we saw with the hit on Lindgren a couple games ago with Adam Fox and Alexi Lafreniere. So, it's just part of the game, I guess, but I agree, Ron. I think the chasing around after having someone answer to it, it's just, you know, focus on the game, play the game. Doesn't make sense. But I want to get back to the uh, the hits and uh, both those guys going down. And I think, Molly, if we would have slowed the frame down on the hit, I think he's hitting the guys high because he's a big guy. And I think it bouncing off the chest and hitting the guy in the chin. So and it's something I want to talk to Larry about because I've discussed this before. Those shoulder pads are rock hard. They are still rock hard compared to what we used to wear. I mean, I used to wear just a little cap. If I was to show you where what I wore, I mean, I had nothing on my chest. It was just a little cap. And if I was to bang into someone, I wouldn't knock them out. So I still think it's an issue with the NHL. Why are they allowing these shoulder pads to be so hard, soft them up? It's like elbow pads. The elbow pads are the same way. You see a guy come up with an elbow and he'll clip the guy on the chin. The guy goes down like, why? He's so soft. No, he's not soft. It's like getting hit by a hammer, I'm telling you. <laughs> and and uh, and that's what happened in both cases. Like McKinnon, he got hit. You, If you look at it, he gets it right in the chin. It's subtle, but it doesn't take much. And with that, with the speed and the strength and a big guy hitting you, it hurts. And uh, so I think the NHL needs to address that. I know they softened it somewhat, but it's still not enough. Guys are still going down. I think that's really the issue. It's not the hit because we used to hit like that all the time. I think you touched on something that I didn't even think about is how tall Jacob Chuba is. I didn't even think about that, that the way that he probably stacks up to most guys, that when he is leaning in for a hit with his shoulder – that he's going to clip someone higher up. And it was it was unintentional. You know, he if you look at especially in the hit on Kyra, he somewhat pulled back a little bit because he, you know, I don't think Trub is a predatory player. And he even said that last night. He was like, I don't think I have a reputation of being a predatory hitter or, you know, or an over aggressive kind of player. He just play. He plays a little bit with an edge, and you know those are kind of old time hits. You know the the meeting in the center of the ice and just the open ice hits. But can't complain. I'm sure. I'm sure Rangers management is pretty happy because that's that's what they wanted this team to do. Yeah, I need to ask you because you're in the dressing room. Uh, have you seen Shesterkin? Is there, is there any timeline? Because they said he was going to take at least three games off. Is there a timeline? Because now we're seeing a difference. Um, when he's in and when he's not. I was like, the Rangers have to score that one extra goal or two to stay in the game. So right. or five. Or, or five. five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Against the Avalanche in that case. No, yeah, there's no definitive timeline right now. His injured reserve stint is retroactive to the date of the injury. So he's able to come off the 10th against Buffalo. 
We asked Gallant after the Colorado game if Shesterkin had been skating, and because they were on the road, Gallant wasn't sure. So he couldn't say for sure whether he had been skating. So that makes me think that he probably won't be back by December 10th, that he won't be back in time to play Buffalo. You don't want to rush him, especially with his history. It's another lower body injury. Best to just take it slow, even though, like you said, Ron, the Rangers look like a different team when he's in net. It's tough because if you look at his history, the last time the Rangers said that he was day-to-day, he was out for three weeks. So now I get it, why they were protecting him, why they felt like, you know what, we just can't have him play all these games. Because I think they know that he has some physical weaknesses. He has a durability. It's a durability concern, absolutely. Yeah, so now now we know because when he hurt himself, it didn't look like a whole lot. It looked like he made the splits, and and if his groins area is a place of weakness, then now we get it because when you have a guy or two falling on you, you know that can make a big difference. So that wraps up the groins talk of, of the program this week. <laughs> up in the blue seats, uh, we're gonna get your questions from listeners uh, coming up next, as well as Larry Brooks. Last question for you guys because the Rangers are so high. We'll have some fun if Igor is on the ice. Is the team as currently constituted a Stanley Cup Finals contender, or do they need to add a few more pieces to be in that category? They definitely need to add a few more pieces. They need one more top six caliber player that plays with an edge, has that physical aspect to his game, but can also score goals. Especially right now with Mika Zibanejad going on a bit of a scoreless streak here. They need it from somewhere else. If it's not going to come from him, it needs to come from somebody else. And then their third pairing on defense also needs a little bit of work either Lundqvist needs to move up or they just need to they just need a a stronger round out to their back end for sure and then I think they will be Stanley Cup contenders yeah well we can see when you look at past teams in the playoffs teams have won a Stanley Cup they're really grinding it out so when you look at the Rangers of course there are different team this year with the added players, love their fourth line. Uh, we haven't seen that kind of fourth line with the New York Rangers in a long time with, with Reeves out there. And uh, and and so they have some strength. They have guys that go out there and change the momentum, the flow of the game. Uh, but yeah, another top six guy that can score uh, physical presence, that gets angry, plays with passion and emotion. Yeah, I, I would say that that would make a difference. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's a, this is a playoff team. All right. Coming up next on Up in the Blue Seats, we answer your questions from Post Sports Plus members. And it was one, two, three, four, five punches down. All righty. We want to answer your Post Sports member questions. So we'll do a quick run through. I'll read them and Ron and Molly will answer them. Hal Sherry says, and this is something we've talked about, the Rangers need to acquire a backup goalie, and I I believe you guys would probably agree with that sentiment. In a way, yes. I think it's a difficult situation right now because Georgiev's cap hit is is pretty high for for how he's playing, first of all, and just for being a backup goaltender. So I'm not sure how many trade partners 
would present themselves in that situation. But if you look at it, you know, I know a lot of people were very confused and we, we got so many questions about this as well from Paul Rinney, Tim Mayer, Brett Lustig, and Todd Adware. Think about it. The COVID-19 situation in Hartford right now made their decision to call up Huska. Had there not have been a COVID situation in, in Hartford, Keith Kincaid probably would have earned the call up and he did fairly well. Uh, in a backup role last season. And I think that had Kincaid come up, people probably wouldn't have been as shocked to have an AHL goalie in net because Kincaid has has been decent at the NHL level. But as far as going forward, it, looking long-term, yes, they're definitely going to need uh, somebody else that's an NHL caliber backup Full time in order to make a run at the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement, Molly, because uh, we know now with Shesterkin that he's prone to injuries. And can you imagine? And you're in the second round, the third round, everything's great. He's playing awesome, and then he gets hurt. Then you got to put a, a Georgiev in, who if you've gone a couple of rounds, he's just sitting there and he hasn't been playing. And you got to put him in with what we know about him last year and this year. And it's nothing personal. I, I just don't think. He's a quality backup goaltender for a team who wants to go deep in the playoffs with a goaltender that may or may not get hurt at any time. And so there's a a pretty hefty price for a good backup, which would mean what I, you know, possibly a player in the second round pick is what, what I'm thinking. So, but I think that they have to be with what they just went through. They have to be thinking, what do we do? All right. Robert Bazo wants to know, why do you think Mika, Hasn't scored a goal in the last 14 games. Have you noticed anything in practice or around the team? Do you feel he's pressing? Is it because he's recently married and the new dynamic at home? Post-contract signing blues. He's starting to look a little, a little like Rick Nash. Great goal scorer turned great two-way forward. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say it's anything to do with his marriage. <laughs> I, I, he seems pretty, pretty happy about that. But I think that, you know, we saw last season – I mean, granted that it was after a bout with COVID, but he has gone through scoreless stretches. And right now it's not hurting the Rangers, but it's they also could be a lot more of a threat if he was finding the back of the net right now. I think that, you know, these high-end players, they go through these stretches sometimes. I don't particularly notice anything about him in practice that's different or you know his demeanor or anything and I'd be the first to to tell you you know I could tell you Alex Georgiev's demeanor is you know not great but Mika you know he's he's a team first guy the team is doing fairly well so I don't think that he's pressing I think that it's also with the way Gerard Gallant has coached this team you know he doesn't he doesn't put expectations on the players he doesn't foster that sort of pressure atmosphere so I think that he's not stressing and that you know he knows he's just on a little bit of a cold streak and that they'll come eventually if he just keeps doing the right things well let me address the married and not married part <laughs> I love that that's the first thing you're going to. So when I got married, <laughs> I had I had my Beth three seasons. I was home by 12. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and so, and because I don't know Mika. 12 I noon can't. or midnight? It might have been the yeah. next day, 12 noon. That 12, yeah. Yeah. 
So for me, for me, getting married was a good thing. I can concentrate on hockey, plus getting traded to Detroit. But when I'm watching him play, I'm, I'm not looking at him thinking, wow, he's really struggling because he's still very effective. He's still Mika's advantage at the way he manages the puck. It has something to do with just he's lost some confidence. Often he's shooting just for shooting. It's almost like shoot and don't miss the net. That's how you start thinking versus, oh, I'm going to pick that corner, pick that corner, or try this or try that. There's a difference when you're playing with confidence and not a lot of confidence. And I like with Coach Gerard Gallant, he's not going to put pressure on his players because he can see whether they're working hard or not. So he's working hard. He's still very effective. And I'm not even – I don't even think about – has he been scoring or not scoring? You're not even thinking that. He always looks effective on the ice, and it's just going to happen. I think you were home by 12 because everything's closed at 12 in Detroit. If you were in New York, <laughs> it's a different story. So, yeah. uh, you know, final tab, 11.55, time to get out of here. Yeah. Uh, so that, that, that would explain that. All right, Eric Wheel wants to know well, – Eric Weil, Wheel wants to know what's been different about Kreider this year. Has he just become a deflection master? I feel like Kreider has really come into his own this season. I could be wrong – but I think some of it has to do with getting snubbed for the captaincy. That's just, that is pure speculation on my part. But I feel like he is has taken the initiative to be that center player for the Rangers in all aspects, in leadership, on the ice, in every capacity. Like if they're not going to stitch the C on his jersey themselves, that he will do it hypothetically, you know, that he will just act as such. And I think that that he that that's what he's done. And on the ice, just like Eric said, he has been a deflection master. And that is something we've asked him about it so many times this season because it's it's truly it's it's so interesting how it's all come together and just something has clicked that he it's just it's automatic for him. And his positioning in front of the net, the way he screens, the way he battles in front. It's effective and he is getting his stick to the right places and and you know just tipping all these goals in and it's it's made a diff a world of difference for the Rangers power play. I think it's just him coming into his own as as a veteran player in this league and knowing who he is and and just grinding it out to to prove that he is who he is to this Rangers team. Yeah, I think for me it's a combination of of various things. Coaching makes a big difference. And if you know anything about Kreider. He gets in his own head. He puts a lot of pressure on himself. And if you have a coaching staff that's doing that added pressure, then it makes a difference. So I think he came into a new room, new new teammates, new coaching staff, where things were a lot more relaxed, where he felt like he could just be himself. But more than anything else, it's just he's happy. He's happy on this team. All right, last couple of questions here. Daniel Cassidy and Steve Schwartz asked, doesn't it seem more and more apparent at this point that Strom is legitimately our best option at center and they should re-sign him ASAP. Yes. In short, yes. I think that not only should the Rangers be taking into consideration Artemi Panarin's preference, which is clearly from day one, he has expressed that he loves playing with Strom. And the Rangers shouldn't be taking a risk of going out and finding another number two center when the one that they currently have complements their star player so well. I would imagine that Strom 
also doesn't want to leave the Rangers. I think he's really found a home next to Artemi Panarin, and he is playing the best hockey of his career since since he's played next to Artemi Panarin, and I don't think anybody would want to give that up. So I think that, you know, for maybe for a time, you know, people thought that that maybe the Rangers should go out and get a, a different number two center. But at this point, I really don't think they're going to find anybody that compliments Panarin better or that has that pre-established chemistry with Panarin that they've built over these years. I mean, who knows what could happen going forward when they have more more reps under under their belt. I mean, they could only go up. Yeah, so part of it is going to be up to Strom on how he's going to want to possibly settle for a little bit less to stay in New York because yeah. it's, it's going to come down to money because the way he's playing, the way he looks, most all teams are going to want him. So it's going to be up to him whether he's going to want to take less, stay with the New York Rangers, and win a Stanley Cup with the New York Rangers. All righty. Last question here, guys, before we hand it to Larry Brooks. Andrew Gage is wondering, when do you think we will see Zach Jones, the pride of UMass, and others with the big club? And how might their progress influence the Rangers' trade opportunities? Well, for Zach Jones in particular, the Rangers have been lucky as far as injury to their back end. They haven't had any. So knock on wood, they've, you know, had their top six uh, defensemen and they're pretty comfortable with it. It seems Gallant hasn't touched them all season. So I think in order for Zach Jones to come up, there would have to be an injury. But I do think that he would be one of the top guys that they would call up. Yeah, I would sure love to see him back in the lineup just to see what he looks like now, having played in the minors. Because often you go down in the minors, you're getting quality ice time. You have more time and space. And what's what's he going to look like? Because he's a guy that I felt like when I was comparing him against Lundquist, I prefer Jones. Obviously, they're seeing something different which is fine. I'm seeing Lundqvist now mature into a player that they were thinking he would. Uh, He's looking really good on the ice. He's quick. So is Jones. And so I would love to see him on the ice before they make any move on possibly moving him. All righty. Let's talk everything blue shirts with the post Larry Brooks next on Up in the Blue Seats. That is the most on-brand thing I think I may have ever heard from you. Joining us on Up in the Blue Seats now is our Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at The Post, Larry Brooks. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy and read his articles in the New York Post and Post Sports Plus. Larry, we've got to start with your column the other day that I think may have got the Rangers fan base going. You asked your readers, if you were the Rangers, would you trade for the Blackhawks' Patrick Kane? So my question to you, Larry, is would you trade for Patrick Kane? And is that a scenario that could actually work with the cap and such? It would be extremely complicated. I certainly would reserve judgment on it um, because there there are a lot of moving parts within the moving parts. The idea of getting Patrick Kane is that you have him for two years. You have him for two runs. And my idea would be, and, and again, this is... <laughs> This is kind of fantasy land. I get it. But I I think it's an interesting overall. I I think it's an interesting debate in general about where the Rangers are. My idea would be to have Kane, you know, if you're going to do it, you would do it this year. So you'd have him for two runs. And I would want to make sure that I had Ryan Strom in place, too. I would want to put together the line of Panarin, Strom, 
and Kane. The Rangers will know by the trade deadline whether they're going to be able to extend Ryan Strom or not. So that's that's one thing that goes into it. A second thing that goes into it is where are talks with Kako? Are they going to be able to extend Kako at a number that makes everyone comfortable? If they're getting the idea, again, in February, March, that this is not going to work and that Kako is going to be susceptible to an offer sheet, then maybe you are willing to put Kako in a trade. And of course, you know, the overriding um, concern is where are the Rangers? You know, are, are they actually going to be ready to make a deep run? If so, then you take a second look at this. If not, if they level off, um, if they're fighting for a playoff spot, then no. Then, then you do not trade for assets for an older player. But I, I do think that I think it's, it's unrealistic. There's actually no, uh, no indication that the Blackhawks are going to be shopping Patrick Kane, although I, I think they may be tempted. He has a no move, and so he's going to control that. But I, I think the Rangers are a very interesting case because four of their most important players are going to be between 28 and 31 this playoffs. I'm talking about Panarin, Kreider, Zibanejad, and Truba. And then you've got the entire young wave coming, and they're kind of in different timelines on them. And and if the young guys are going to be at their peak in four years, then where where is Mika Zibanejad going to be in four years? Where is Chris Kreider going to be in four years? Where is Panarin going to be in four years? And I think I think this is a very challenging course for Chris Drury to undertake here. I just realized you got a ribbon on the back page for that headline, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a blue one? Is it it a red one? (laughs) (laughs) You've also proposed the idea of splitting up the top defensive tandem of Adam Fox and Ryan Lindgren. What sort of benefits do you think that would have and why? I'm not sure it has any benefit to take the truth, but I'm looking ahead to the playoffs and I'm not suggesting the Rangers are there yet. And their first job is to make the playoffs. And that's probably a pretty good reason not to break up Lindgren and Fox. But I look at them and I, and, and Lindgren's a tough guy. We know that. And Fox can escape from, from all sorts of traffic. We know that. But I just wonder in not only a seven game series, but if you're going to go on a run, whether there's enough size there on, on Adam Fox's left side when teams begin to zero in on him, as they will from from shift one, game one of the playoffs. So what I'm wondering is, all right, when someone gets hurt, you know, um, as inevitably somebody will, shouldn't players be able to play with other players anyway? Now, I look at their top, you know, I look at their D and there really isn't much to maneuver here. I, I wouldn't make any changes with this group, but I just wonder whether the Rangers need to go out and get a bigger left defenseman I certainly think they know they need to are going to need to go out and get a big right defenseman to play on the third pair. So that, that's just a question I have. It, it really is. Larry, uh, one thing that's been on my mind, I guess there's two parts to this question. It has to do with Jacob Truba. Uh, he's elevated his game this this year. He, he's become a lot more physical, and because of the physical play, not only is it happening to him, but it happens to a lot of players. A big hit ends up in a fight. And that's where I have an issue with that. And the NHL has been silent on this. I would sure love to hear from them to make a statement, some sort of a statement, that fights don't need to break out after a big hit. 
why don't you just retaliate with another big hit instead of this silly fighting? That, and when I look at the hits, and yes, they look, with Truba being so big, he's going to hit a guy high, legal hit, shoulder. What I've seen is those shoulder pads are connecting to the chin, and the players are going down. And that's another thing I think the NHL should be addressing is the shoulder pads. Because in both those, if you slow down those hits, you can tell the guys are getting clipped on the head or in the chin area, and they're going down. And it's it's a thing that the NHL is not really addressing. Your thoughts on both those things? Well, I agree with you completely on, on both, uh, Ronnie. I, I, and, and I think the way the NHL makes a statement on the on the fighting issue is by the game officials actually calling the game. You know, when, when there's, when there, uh, seriously, I mean, you know, what happened to the instigator rule? What happened to it? You know, team, you know, referees just will not enforce it. It's, it's a rule that is, it's arbitrary. It's, it's, uh, officials don't want to throw guys out of games. I, I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I agree. When there's a legal hit and, and a fight starts, the guy should be out of the game. There's no question about it. Truba last night was, was really interesting talking, I thought, after the, after the, uh, after the game when he said, well, you can choose whether to fight or not. And, you know, uh, because he was asked about, being challenged after legal hits and he said well you know I've, I've been in the league long enough I you know I, I can I can choose you know uh, if I want to fight or not but the, the burden shouldn't be on the player who made the hit the burden should be on the opposing player who responds with fisticuffs the, the equipment I agree with you too but that's a player issue um, and, I, and I haven't seen the NHLPA step up on this either and the NHLPA doesn't step up on any issues of violence. They, the NHL and NHLPA are co-conspirators in this. I just don't get it. There's such a small minority of players who benefit from the Players Association protecting those people that it never has made sense to me at all. But here we are. I mean, Jacob Trouba has been terrific this year. You know, he's had maybe, you know, a couple of off nights. Okay. But, you know, night in and night out, he is there. He's he's really had a big time season. This is the, the player in Winnipeg who the Rangers had had an interest in for years before they got him. So he's been, he's been a big time player for them. All right, Larry, thanks so much for joining us again. And we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, guys. 35 is like their Evian water. Now. <laughs> you got that your whole day. That's their water beverage fees. All right, Ron, that'll wrap up episode 67, the Boo Nieves edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. Well, thank you, Jake, for producing. And Andrew Hartz, what another good, fine episode of Hockey and Stuff. Yeah, we learned a lot about hockey today, and we learned about the Gordie Howe hat trick as well. Thank you for that. Uh, Hockey for Dummies, written by Jake Brown. Ron, we talked about Detroit early in the show. What was a night out in Detroit? You know, there was no Studio 54 or share to go to. It was just maybe hit a bar and then go home. Well, I'm going to give you the short version. There wasn't a whole lot to do in Detroit. And I had just, uh, I met a woman that I thought that I would have settled down with, would ended up marrying a woman from California, which I met while I was playing with the New York Rangers. And uh, so I get traded to Detroit and I'm thinking, okay, now it's time. This is a sign for me to just settle in and be a hockey player. So she moved in with me in Detroit 
in the nightlife there, there wasn't a whole lot. So I really stayed away from all the traffic, which was hard for me to do. But I did have the road trips. So it wasn't so much what I was doing in Detroit. It was the road trips and just being with the guys. So it was midnight in Detroit and 5 a.m. everywhere else across the country. Yeah, yeah, everything closes. You know, when I was down in Charlotte, Ron, like everything... 11 p.m. midnight bars and stuff close and that's in new york that's when the party starts you know yeah well the funny thing is i'd wake up in the morning i said oh this is what it feels like to feel good in detroit after having a good night's sleep so i really didn't mind it it was i was i think at the time i was 27 years old so i was in the middle of my career which you're in your prime so it was it was time to just focus in so i really wanted to be a player and for those three seasons i ended up averaging a point a game. So I got into hockey. I started to feel what it felt like to play without guilt. When I was in New York, I can't tell you any games that show up and I go, oh my goodness, I better play well today because rough night last night. Yeah, the the hangovers were gone in Detroit. They were eliminated. There was no Tylenol. There was no kombucha in the mornings to recover. Uh, it was a normal good night of sleep. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts. For number 10, Ron Duguay. Molly Walker, Jake Brown here, Andrew Arts. We will return next Thursday. Stay tuned for the time and the guests later on Thursday as everyone's on the road next week. So stay tuned. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening and enjoy the upcoming week of Ranger Games. Standing ovation.